Hi everyone, it's Allison and Anne. We're back for Measle Mavens. We're on season two, episode five, Midnight at the Concord. Yes. And we are so excited because people have been writing in and asking when we would have a guest. And we have our first official guest. Lisa. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, Lisa Ehrlich Rapkin is here with us and we are thrilled to have her. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, of course. So I really know the cat skills. I'm married to Corey. We've got three children. Um, we live in Manhattan. And Corey, uh, my husband of 34 years, was born in Monticello. And oh, wow. I was born in South Fallsburg. And I was born and lived my whole childhood in a house right next to my family's hotel, the Pines Hotel. And uh, my grandparents started it. That's what I was going to ask you, actually. How did it begin? Yes. My grand, my, on my mom's side, um, my grandma and my grandpa, I believe it was sometime in the 1940s, to the Catskills and started a hotel that was really a seasonal hotel. It was mostly open, really just open in the summertime. Right. And my mom was an only child. My dad worked as a bellhop at the hotel. Oh my goodness. Um, they met. They both went to Syracuse University. Mom was uh, 19 when she got married to my dad, who was 21. She oh, had wow. my sister when she was 20. And then she had my, my sister Vicky, my brother Stephen, my brother Cliff, and then me. So four kids. I'm the youngest of four. Oh my goodness. And my mom and dad and my, the four of us. And my grandparents on my mom's side all lived in a home probably a stone's throw from the hotel. And we called it the hotel. The hotel. The hotel. So in terms of the Pines, when you watch Mrs. Maisel, do you think back automatically to your childhood? Or everyone has been nitpicking the episode to say, this looks like the original Catskills, this doesn't. How do you feel when you watch the right. show? I have a lot to say about this. Okay. So it was interesting, and I had heard from friends of mine. <clears throat> my friend, actually, my friend Stephanie, who I grew up with in high school, said to me, you have to watch this show. So, of course, I binge-watched the show. I was, like, captivated from the first second. And then the second season, they could go up to the Catskills. Yes. And they drive up. And to me, I mean, in terms of, like, the art direction... The hotel that they went to, more like a bungalow colony, the Catskill hotels that I know. I agree right. with you. Right. Uh, yes. yes. That's what that's one of the first you things. You know, I the said. lake and the nature and the feeling of the Catskills, I get that. But in terms I mean, the Catskill hotels, especially the really the bigger ones, Beautiful. the Pines, the Concord, the Raleigh, the Kutchers, the Grossiers, they were opulent fancy hotels. People got dressed up on Saturday nights in gowns in the 1950s and the 1960s. So it was very, this, the depiction of the Catskills was much more rustic and s simplistic right. than tells I remember. It looked like camp yes, to me. Yes, it did. And I know from my memory of the Catskills hotels, they were classic. They were beautiful hotels. Yes, they were ornate, and they were there was carpeting and big staircases and Lattice. lots of gold and gilt and they were constantly renovated. They were and they were huge. They were tremendous resort hotels. I mean, I could tell you, I could describe to you every square inch of the Pines because it was my home. I spent my whole childhood there, so I thought that the first piece of it, in terms of the aesthetics and the look of it 
seemed, um, it seemed similar. There was a show, there's a movie actually called Sweet Lorraine years ago. It was one of the first, it was before Dirty Dancing. Oh. And it was filmed at the Haydn Hotel in, um, also in Fallsburg. And that looked more like the resort that they depicted in the show. Right. Did you feel the, so in this episode, she does everything from the activities, you know, Susie, who we adore the character, talks about an ice skating rink in the middle of summer. She does Simon Says, or tells Susie also about how she has to go take some jewelry making class. Badminton. Badminton, all these different activities. Was it that busy of a schedule was that depiction correct that there was always something going on yes absolutely so um what they would do is well there were there were you know of course the whole thing about the cat skills which is is three meals a day yes so you would start with breakfast and then you know breakfast was from eight to ten and lunch was at one o'clock can we stop a start mm-hmm. with breakfast yes because breakfast you could get three four five helpings of anything you wanted you could get anything you could get Unlimited food every meal, and people would order. I mean, the food was incredible. You can't imagine. I think there was something I forgot. I don't. I want to be true. Okay. And I, I kind of remember this statistic, if it's possible. I think with with maybe six hundred people in the hotel, there was something like three thousand main dishes. Is that possible? Three thousand dishes a day. Yeah, for oh. a meal. No, a meal. A meal. If, if for 600 people, there's an average, no, or maybe 2,000. There was an average of like two to three hot mains because you would get the cold stuff first. You would get your, you know, you would have all these courses at every meal. So you would get, you know, a fruit cup or something to start, and then you could order, and then you had a whole salad course, and, and then you would have hot main dishes, which were big hot meals, and then you would always have these cold alternatives like sour cream and fruit, of course. or tuna fish and egg salad. Those were the backups. Right. Well, that's why and then I, dessert. I thought it was interesting that episodes with the Catskills don't touch upon the food, but when we talk to family or friends about the Catskills, everyone talks about the food. It was all the first about topics. the food. And every comic, every Catskill comedian, I mean, they do like a 20-minute shtick on the food. Right. I mean, it's right. all about how much you can eat. It's Crazy. Well, Even Mitch, Mitch Mangels, she, during she this episode, that. she does a whole shtick on the food, how they have this bikini contest, beauty contest, but yet you're eating throughout the day nonstop, how it's, you know, this right. crazy how, thing. how you could do it. But the activities, back to your question. So anyway, on the menus, which were printed every day, because they were all different, and they were printed on, on like, um, like an old Xerox machine. I remember the machine. menus now, yes. And there was, on the side of the menu, there were the day's activities, so aside from all of the other things that were available, you know, we talked about this, the indoor and outdoor swimming pools and ice skating and roller skating and in the winter skiing and tobogganing. And basketball. Basketball, baseball. Golf. A full nine-hole, or sometimes some of the hotels had 18-hole golf courses, indoor and outdoor tennis courts. Aside from every possible sporting activity you could imagine, there were organized activities all day for adult activities with with somebody who they had in the episode, which was like the director of activities. Yes. Now, I heard that was quite the coveted position to be, what did you say? It's in Yiddish? 
a Tumblr? Yeah, a Tumblr, yes. That Simon would, says. would yes. rally the crowd and get people excited about what's going on. Yes, yes, the director of activities. Do you remember Morris Katz, the painter? He used to paint yes, with Morris tissue. Katz, yes, yes. So he used to paint with toilet paper. That was like his big thing. And he would, and these same people, so that was the daytime, okay? So then you had... The nighttime. The, yeah, you had the nighttime, but the daytime, you're, so you're going from... Three giant meals a day, and there's a coffee shop. So if you're hungry in between these giant meals... Just in case you got hungry. You could have something to eat. And every activity under the sun that you could ever imagine, plus all these organized activities, then at night um, you had two shows. You had a, a band, and then you'd have a, um, a singer. Uh, what I found, and I think it was wrong how they portrayed it, they had her doing her comedy routine, not in a nightclub. What I remember, there was a separate nightclub for the comedy routines. See, I like thought that. that was the most authentic, and I think I was It was similar, you. but I still remember that it, it was somehow, I don't remember people sitting around with these big, large tables. When she was going to um, the Concord, mm -hmm. right? So, so that, that felt like, when they did the nightclub at the Concord, I felt like that was art-directed, styled, the most likely. Most case. likely, but I still remember it was always, it was dark. It was dark, um, and I know this, I will tell you exactly how they're set up, because I got married in front of 600 oh, people wow. at the nightclub at the Vines Hotel. Were you on stage? Yes, Corey and I were on stage in front of 600 people, on stage in the Persian room of the Pines in 1985. Now, did all the hotel owners come out to see this wedding? We had people at our wedding, honestly, I'd never met before. But, that's, mean, but that was a Jewish <laughs> wedding. It yes, didn't matter. Yes. And it was a small town, so everybody, everybody knew each other. Everybody How many each bridesmaids? I, I think we had eight or nine. Wow. I had eight or nine bridesmaids, and I said to Corey at one point, I think he had eight friends. I said, we well, better find another friend, quick. <laughs> so, was it during, it wasn't during the summer, I presume, it had to be It during. was right before, it was on a Sunday night, because, you know, we had to, we couldn't do it on a Saturday right, night. Right, right. So after all the guests left on a Sunday, it was in June. Oh my gosh. Um, before the height of the summer, before July, because the summer was really July 4th weekend to Labor Day. That's right. That's why I was curious if you got married during the summer. Yes, yeah, so, so we got married season. at the very end of June, the last weekend of June, and, you know, right before the summer on a Sunday night, and, oh you know, took gosh. over the whole hotel, of course. Right. But it's interesting. So, yes, yeah, so I think that, um, so, so there were very, I was wondering, and I'd love to find out, you know, the, the Catskills was depicted in the, sh you know, was not entirely accurate, which was the only thing that I was wonder. I was sort of wondering, I'd love to know who did their research. On we this. have to find out, Allison, you and I. <laughs> well, yes. we spoke about how we wish it was depicted more accurately because it was such a magical place. I mean, more so for you, you grew up there, but when my siblings and I, right, the millennials talk about it, we loved every time we went there. It was family, it was, it was one fun. big family. It just seems like that magic is disappearing, and we, I wanted it to really come on screen so people could yeah. witness it, and I had friends saying to me, oh, it looks like your sleepaway camp. Yes. And I, you know, I would I know, them, no, so I don't think like it was camp. really, you know, the lake, so there were a lot of the hotels were on lakes. Yes. The Concord was on Kaimisha Lake, Kutcher's had a lake, there were a lot of hotels that were, the Pines was not on its own lake, but um, 
there were, you know, the, there were some, there was a ski chalet with a little pond, but, but that whole lake, that whole, the romance, I mean, I thought that was kind of, that was felt authentic to me. The idea they're on the, they were on the boat together. Right. And, you Well, know. there are a lot of romances that went on at the Catskills. A lot of matchmaking that was being done between the parents and then the singles. They used to have single events. Uh, there was a lot going on. About the comedians, how did you feel that was depicted? Because during this episode, and when they talk about the Catskills, they'll list the famous comedians and what hotel yes. they uh, had loyalty towards, yes, totally. so to speak. And we heard the Pines had a famous... Uh, Buddy Hackett. Comedian. Well, Buddy Hackett, they were all Norm Crosby, Freddie Roman, and Malzy Lawrence. So it's interesting. So on top of so the evening, back to the evening, they would start with some music right after dinner. That's right. And then you'd go right into the Persian room or the big nightclub for the singer and then the comedian. And then on Thursday nights um, at the Pines, after the show, they would have a late show. Yeah, they said from my research the the late show they called it the midnight show, the blue show. I just remember Malzy Lawrence. It was it was like Mad, Malzy Madness, and okay. he and that was I think a little bit launchier because it was late and the kids were sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's what we so on this episode they did touch upon how Susie's trying to get Midge a gig, and she books her for the blue the. The blue time. The uh, like the, a blue. The, she has I didn't to be, say time. It said blue. She I has to be a blue comedian, and we took of that as like she's the raunchier yes. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was curious if that was what happened in the Catskills. That the the later the comedians the later went the comedians on went on, the, the dirtier they can get. Their jokes can get because the the thing that we didn't touch on is that while all of these activities are going on for the adults, one of the biggest draws in the Catskills, which which they did have on the show, is the camp. For the kids. So, for the kids. So right. you get there, and you have a family full of kids, doesn't matter how many kids you have, they are taken like completely off your hands all day and all night. That's so why they liked it, probably. <laughs> right. Well, so that's a great point you're bringing up, because there's all these articles about the show and how Midge is not a good mother, that the kids are never in any scenes, She's never actually shown being uh, motherly. And when it comes to the Catskills, a lot of the articles have said, you don't see the kids. So I'm glad you're bringing this yes, up. Yes, because you don't see the kids. One of the biggest, So that was accurate. Not only was that accurate, but to really understand this, imagine this, and it's so different than it is now. There was a children's dining room. That's right, I remember that. Oh, I that. didn't know That's that. right. Yes. Because we dined as a family. When we, we had a choice. Oh, I we had a choice. Yeah, I, don't even think, I don't even think that there was a choice or nobody actually opted to have the kids very rarely because so the, so the, you drop your child at day camp at 8 o'clock in the morning and then they... You never see them. <laughs> you do not see them until 4. You pick them up at 4 o'clock. So they have their breakfast and their lunch and their snack in their own dining room and they have complete day camp facilities all day and if you're under I think two or three you have a mother's helper which oh is like gosh. a one you know a right, basically free there. babysitter that it's and this helper. was an extra this is part this of is this all is part of food the camp all these things we're yes. talking about was a part of the whole experience yes. no matter 
uh, how fancy you were, so to speak, what type of guests you were. Everyone had this Everyone typical experience. Everyone has it's all inclusive in every possible way. And you then you have your child from four to six. Then you drop your child off at six o'clock for their dinner in their children's dining room, and you can still have time to get dressed for your dinner at seven o'clock, or have drinks or whatever you want to do at seven and have your dinner. And then the children have, after their children's um, you know, meal at six, they have an activity. They have bonfires, and they have arts and crafts, right. and they have whatever, clowns and circus and whatever kind of activity they have. And then after that, basically, you know, most people would get babysitters. I, even if they didn't get babysitters, you would have someone from the hotel that went around checking all the rooms to make sure all the oh, kids were good. Oh, you're right about That's that. Right. I remember that. You know what it was called? What was it called? It was called Night Patrol. That's right, <laughs> Night Patrol. They would go, so someone's job was to go around and make sure the yeah, children so were in the right room. Here's what the most amazing thing of all. The children, back then, there was no worries. It was completely safe. Your children, after day camp, I mean, I don't even remember how, I mean, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, they can go back after camp is finished, and, you know, the parents, somebody adult would sign them out of camp, but then they um, went back to their hotel room, or they had, or they get to run around for, for another hour, and their curfew was 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, and then you could sign up if you didn't want to pay for a babysitter, because I think that was extra, you would sign up for night patrol and there was somebody walking the halls and just knocking on the door to make sure the kids were in their room. Yeah. And this was everywhere at the Catskills, right? So Every hotel. In, how did your parents and your grandparents pull all this off? Because I think that's another part of the show. They show all these activities, everything that's going on. You briefly see the owner of the hotel saying hello to the Maisels and the Weissmans at some part. But it was such an undertaking, and they just, for generations, did this without even missing a beat. You're saying it was so it not was routine, 20, but it that's... was 24-7. I mean, we, we lived it and breathed it. I mean, we, as a family, you know, my grandparents started it, my parents, my mother and father, you know, took it over, and then my brothers, my two brothers, my sister and I, you know, my sister's a lawyer, she went to law school. I went, I became a television producer. I went to, you know, college for film and television. We weren't necessarily, it was still kind of a patriarchy, so we weren't necessarily um, asked to do it, but my brothers went into the business. So we, but it was our lives. You live it and breathe it. 24-7. Yeah, 24-7. But I will tell you, it, this was the summertime. And during the winter, the weekends were busy, holidays when other people had their holidays that's when we worked the hardest but there was you know midweeks and sometimes my, my parents would go away there was we, a lull I mean of course with any business there was always a lull and sure. I guess that's that was quote your vacation sure exactly yeah. exactly but, yeah, and was there a beauty salon as they depict too there was a beauty salon with dryers those big bubble dry like those big hard Plastic mm -hmm. bubble dryers. There was everything. There, there was everything. There's nothing stores. you can name. There were stores. Mm -hmm. I just, to me, the reason why I'm asking all this is I know it because I remember going up there and just being in awe that I would go tubing, ice skating, get hot chocolate, then go to an arcade, I think. I got adopted had. by somebody. Adopted. <laughs> Someone took me around. And the show, I guess I, I should give it some slack, right? Only has an hour every episode to put on a scene and move the storyline, but to me, it didn't capture that 
that moment in time as much as I wish yeah. it did. Do you know what it didn't capture? It didn't capture the glamour. Yes, yes. Or I wish there was some storyline about the owners of the hotel. The storyline they created and was... And how hard everybody worked. Oh, right. my goodness. Right. And the storyline they did is that there's this person who they call Chester who's not really working at the hotel but sleeps in the employee uh, area. And my mom and I have been going back and forth, and we wanted to ask you, would someone really be able in, like, the hecticness of it all, stay at one of these resorts and not be paying in the help bunk? In the help bunks. Yeah. I said oh, that. Yes, so sure. I told my mother, I was like, absolutely I not. Told you. Everyone knew everyone. You're saying I mean, that storyline makes sense? It was a different time. There were so many people, too. There were so, it, was, it's a, it was a city. These hotels were cities. They were, the guests, there were, you know, 450, the Pines had 450 hotel rooms. There were over, you know, a thousand guests at any one time. And there were hundreds and hundreds of staff members. So that storyline actually could have happened. Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. We went back and forth and I said, no, that doesn't make sense. How could they do this line? It's a line? different time. People were more trustworthy. I don't know if things happened, but... If people liked you, it's like adopting a person. You could move in. And there were security guards at the hotel, so there were the big joke was there were there were, you know, security guards, like two guys dressed up as security guards. I don't know what their credentials were in the front of the hotel. But people from the bungalow colonies They right, used to sneak in. They would sneak in. That was a big thing. They would sneak into the show to the shows. Now what's the bungalow co I know what a bungalow colony is, but what is the difference between the Catskills and a bungalow colony? So the bungalow colonies were in the um, were in the Catskills, and they were, you know, pretty simplistic, like wooden structures that people would come and have for the whole summer. You know, they would they would own a little. Like That's a, a whole other story. Well, no, your right, grandfather right. did the bungalow car. I know. Everyone says he went on a walk with my bubby, my grandmother, that's and that's they how they got engaged. In the Catskills. But in the it was Catskills. A bungalow but a bungalow colony. But that's. A lot my, of romance happened up my there. My great aunt says he went on a walk and all of a sudden your grandfather was engaged. Well. But, yeah, but the bungalow colony was different. But the, the Catskill hotels, the, the Pines, the Raleigh, the Concord, the Grossingers, the, the, I, I, so many of them. Right. They were glamour. It was like going to, what is it, a five-star hotel? That's what it was. Now, why do you think it was so important to the Jewish community? Because when people talk about the Catskills, sometimes they'll talk about how it was such a Jewish experience, and a lot of the articles around these episodes don't touch upon why it was so important to have it for the community. Well, you know, I don't know the the history of why I really don't I, I know that there was I had heard there was like the tuberculosis well they came up well it started in Washington Heights with the with the tuberculosis because they they wanted fresh air but what I I don't know was the pines kosher also yes and that's what it was it was you have to remember the people that were going up there in the, the 50s the 60s the 70s most of these people were were from Europe, they weren't that wealthy, and they made it, they became wealthy, and they were kosher. You couldn't go to the Plaza Hotel and have kosher food well, and have this glamour. I'm asking this because also at the time, Jews couldn't go to country clubs. That's true. So going That's to the Catskills, yes. wasn't that the, what is it, the 
the prominence of everything. They were able to they made it have better. this exclusivity. <laughs> yes, even though you know yes. it's four hundred guests, but from what I've been reading about it, one of the reasons the community went up to the Catskills is because they couldn't go to these exclusive clubs or getaway places, right. and that at the Catskills, like we're asking about the hotel being kosher. You didn't have to explain anything. You right. had the rabbi, you had the right. man, you, you had were the whole able thing. to be Jewish yes. and also experience this glamour right. that they, in society downstate in New York or wherever they came from, they were not really fully allowed to have yet. Right, right. That's interesting because that's a really interesting question. I think that that's, and that's a great answer because I just, I just knew, I, you know, I, it was a given for me. But the fact that it's true, it's, it's we on the Jewish holidays, people would come, well, they would, you know, come for Passover because they didn't have to do anything to their homes. They just right. came. And the dietary laws were observed. Yes. And that, that was, that was no, a they, big it thing. It wasn't glot kosher. It was kosher well, that's, style. That's a whole other thing. Conversation. Because conversation. Right. But you felt comfortable eating there. You're not going to see... There's no uh, bacon, there's bacon, no shrimp. shrimp. <laughs> You're not going to see something no. visibly there's not breaking meat. The I mean, it was kosher. Was. And for all intents and purposes, it was, it was kosher. And, you know, there were a lot of Holocaust survivors. Granted, it's so interesting to think about it now. It was, you know, I didn't really think twice about it back then, that every single person was Jewish and it was a Jewish hotel. Because there's nothing like that. You don't have to explain it to someone what it was. And I think that also was made people more comfortable. Everybody was in the same thought process. Well, everyone's driving up from the same community. Not from the same community, but there was this exodus from downstate, yeah. so to speak. Mm -hmm. And people came every summer, so everyone knew each other. Summer, sure. winter, it seems that, And it was right? also, um, you know, it was a wonderful, a lot of people came from Brooklyn. And they would take, um, and it was wonderful. So they would, the men, right, would work in the city during the week, and the, that's on the show. And they would send their families, their wives, and their children up for the whole summer. That's what they did. And they did that in the bungalow colonies, too. And so now, they're, where they filmed this episode is called Scott's Resort. I forget where it is exactly, it's on a lake. That resort has been having people show up now in droves during the summer, and they're seeing an uptick in guests because people want this magic replicated. Wow, which so is be millions and millions of dollars to replicate. To, well, that's it. Their resort is beautiful, right? It's not the Catskills we know. Do you feel, and I'm sure people ask you this a lot, that that era would ever be able to come back? I mean, because you saw it from not the very start, but from your parents uh, running it up until, unfortunately, you know, the Catskills, all those hotels now have uh, gone away. Do you feel it might ever come back? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. Not in its current form because it was so societal. I mean, you know, the show in so many ways speaks to really the 1950s and the 1960s and what the thinking was then and how... I mean, it was a family hotel, but, you know, just... just yeah, how are you going to find families coming together without, without fighting and different topics? Well, I, I think also the time. I mean, we had, you know, seasonal guests. Like, who could go, you know, for the whole summer? I mean, people do it. They go to the Hamptons. and But it's different. It's different. It's, you have a train. 
It's different. It is. It's, um, I don't think, and I just, and I also don't know that our generation of Jewish people would go to a Jewish, necessarily a Jewish resort. There's no reason to. Right. You, you know, the, the walls Well, there's down. an acceptance, meaning we're accepted now into mm -hmm. society when it comes to country clubs or exclusivity. Or, I mean, to totally go off topic, in Dirty Dancing, at the end of the movie, the owner of the hotel says, we now fly everywhere for travel. People are going to Aruba, to Europe. Who wants to drive up to the Catskills? That's right. one of the last, you know, scenes of the movie saying how this era is going to go away. I know. And I think uh, with so many options nowadays, it's hard to say, okay, if we you know, build it, will they come? Right, right. Uh, but I think the summer camps, I mean, that's something that's like really stayed in the Jewish culture. That has, yes. You know, and I think that, you know, my daughter who is an assistant camp director at summer camp um, is, loves going up there. And she, and I th thought to myself for the first time, of course she does. She loves to get out of the city and be in the country all summer. And her camp experience is similar to my Catskill experience. Right. I mean, there's something that's about true. just getting up and having a whole community. I mean, it's also just the same, the community that was there. Everybody was, when would you have that? I mean, the bellhops and the busboys, people would request the same waiter and busboy in the dining room every summer. And, you know, how they knew on the show, how they know the staff so well. Right. Like, who would ever do that? You don't even know the family. People don't even know the names of the people that serve them in restaurants. You know, I didn't even think about that, but the episode before, or even in this episode, the Weissmans go up first, and they he's upset because the person he wanted, the bellhop, isn't there. And he's all upset. And I was thinking, is was that really something? He would know the bellhop? But he kept talking about how he has the same person forever, and they stuck him with someone new. And when the Maisels drive up in this episode, everyone goes running up to them out of fear, but everyone that works there knew the family. Of course. So you're right. I never thought about the fact that when we think about people in service, the hospitality industry, that we don't know their names when we go I to know. a hotel anymore. But you're right. In the Catskills, everyone knew the people serving them. Absolutely. Working for them. And also so many of those people went on to be celebrities. Right. And so many of these people, I mean, and there's also a big culture in the 1950s and the 60s and the 70s of, I mean, there's so many stories of doctors and lawyers that worked their way. They made a lot of money, especially in tips and cash over the summer. And they, they, the Catskill gave opportunities to everyone. Yes. Everyone. And, and, the, and there was no color barrier. There was, it, it was open. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to ask you about the comedians with censor censorship because there's also Lenny Bruce was arrested. She was arrested in New York City where in the Catskills they had an open mic and they were able to say many different things that would maybe have been offensive, but at the same time they would not have been arrested. Right, right. Well, they definitely weren't... Um Politically correct, <laughs> but it was. But I don't remember it ever being. Um, there wasn't a lot of maybe just because I just didn't see it. But but they didn't use a lot of swear words. It was kind of like still like good a lot of good clean fun. It was fun, and and that's what that's what I I keep saying to Allison. It was a time where it was simple in the sense that everybody went up there. They felt a community. And they had fun. They knew when they were going to the Catskills, it was going to be good. 
your family and the other uh, hotels made it one of the best experiences people could ever have. That's great. Do people, when they know that you have this a part of your family history, does everyone share a memory with you? Everybody my age and older. And um, I think, you know, my kids are all in their 20s now. Their generation does not really remember. I mean, my kids, my, my family sold the hotel in 1997, so, yeah, I, I you know, my, my kids were all little. They were, they were seven, five, and two um, in 1997, so. And did all the hotel owners know each other? All the hotel owners knew each other, and all of the, um, and a lot of the kids of the hotel owners, they were all hotel families. The Concord had like two or three families that were the families, Kutcher's, Grossinger's. Yes, absolutely. All the, you know, it was because there really weren't that many of us. I mean, there were like a, a lot of hotels, but, you know, it, they were all, um, it wasn't a, it was a little friendly competition, but everybody had enough business and enough guests. There's That's what I was to, curious about. To go around. Well, now, you so. always say there's enough to go around, but I was curious with everyone coming up and so many hotels, if the hotel owners knew each other and what it was like because so many people uh, bombarding one part of New York. It's crazy to think about. You're and then, saying, and then you would guess you go into, into town and then you would see everybody. Like, well, did people leave the hotel? Yeah, you'd go into town for different things. Not a lot, but there was that excursion. You didn't have to. Yeah, well, you didn't have to. The only time I remember actually only remember going on in camp and like we would go get on in a little van and go to and there were chauffeurs that would drive you. We'd, we'd go horseback riding. That wasn't on premises, so the horseback riding. That was the stables, one thing. Yes, but everything else, even the skiing. Wow. There was a ski. Every hotel had a ski resort attached to it. With a ski instructor. Too. Yeah, ski instructors. Did you work at the hotel? Did you have a job? Yes, I had I had many jobs. I had my first job, which was really fun. I always got good plum jobs. Um, my sister and I did. My brothers had to work a little bit harder. They had to work in the kitchen and things like that. But I worked as at the pool, assigning oh, nice. people the, um, the lounges and the cabanas. Towels? <laughs> oh, so, so, <laughs> yeah, basically. Did they tip too? I didn't actually physically do it. My job was to organize it. So I would tell, you would come and you would have like C2 and C3. And I would tell, we used to call them mat boys, to bring like the mat uh -huh. and put it on the, the right. wooden lounge. And, you know. That's a good job. a couple towels. And I would sit outside and get a suntan every day. And that was, I did that for a couple of summers. And then um, I worked behind the front desk. And I always tell this story because it's kind of, my mom would probably not be happy that I was telling the story, but she would, my job, and, and I got a lot of my sort of like good selling and social skills from this was to do room shows. So the hotel was huge and, and really like spread out. So a lot of times we'd get overbooked. And, you know, if the person put on the request they wanted the main building, which was the building right on top of the dining room, because that was the most important thing that you get. The food. Yes. Less walking. <laughs> less walking. Oh, less I didn't walking. think about that. Less walking. Less. So, okay. you know, and, and a lot of our customers, you know, were older. I would do a room show. I would say, oh, you know what? This room here isn't available. 
But we have a beautiful room. Uh, <laughs> you would try to sell them at the Dorchester, and I'll tell you, and I'll, I'm going to show it to you. So by the time we slept from the main building, like to the door, we're like a half, they had mi- to stay. a half a mile away. Yeah, and they're like, okay, we're done. Just send our luggage. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know there was such so a So I worked job. behind the front desk, and a lot of my time spent. I did other things. I checked people in. I. I, you know, because it was all manual. There were no computers. Oh, that's right. No, I'm telling you, the, the skills that she learned and even just going up there, it, it was a wonderful place, the Catskills. And it's lost. I, I feel very badly that it was lost. I mean, I wish there were more. There's a few. I mean, that's why the show is so wonderful because it really does touch upon it and it does still gives it. It's not totally accurate but it still uh, gives you that feeling well, enough I That's hope they listen to this podcast yeah. <laughs> maybe they can do another episode of the pines okay good and oh, if they want good. me to consult I'll be happy to donate my to services to them if they're listening now what would be the one thing so to speak you would want people to know about the Catskills that maybe they didn't get out of watching besides we talked about the glamour was missing Anything. I just think I just think really you know like the the families and the warmth and the 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 history you know the deep rich history of the Jewish culture that went on there and how meaningful it was to so many people and as you said how it launched so many marriages and wonderful professions. And, and, yes and and professions and people and how Everybody looks back on it. There's nobody I know that looks back on that time period and doesn't think anything but the most wonderful positive thoughts. And you can't say that about many other time periods in our history. So the fact that my family had something to do with that is pretty great. That's pretty special. Yeah. I'm blessed to have that. Thank you so much for joining us and talking about Thank the Catskills. We, we wanted an expert, and we said we have to get someone who not just went to the Catskills, but worked there. And lived it. And lived it, and you lived and breathed it, and we're so grateful that you would join yeah. us. Well, thank you for having me, both of you. This was great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. <laughs> great. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa.